Welcome to Concession Impressions, the show where we watch a film and we immediately give our review. Today, we are watching Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, starring Paul Rudd. This is the newest film in the MCU or the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you don't know what that is. And actually, it's the last film of Phase 4 going into now everything post this is going to be Phase 5. And if you don't know what any of that is, then you probably haven't seen any of the Marvel films and you should probably... The review of this probably doesn't really matter too much, I would say. Right, Chase? I mean, you're either on the MCU bus at this point or you're you're off it. <laughs> yep. Speaking of, I'm your host, Michelangelo, and the person you just heard talking is... Charles, Chase. me, or Chase. Either uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> yep, either one. Without further ado, let's jump into this take a quantum leap yeah hey i like it i was just thinking of ant puns to say so i have one for later good so ant-man and the wasp quantum mania so pretty much the film takes place well i guess you don't necessarily know when this film takes place but it's definitely been it's oh, they started, didn't they say something at the beginning? Like it was like five years after the blip or something. I feel oh, like I remember I, seeing something like that on the screen. I totally missed that then. But, it wasn't um, important, you know, like, yeah, yeah. That's actually one of the problems with this movie is that I feel like very little actually happens in this movie that will affect other movies in the series. There's only really one thing, but we'll get into it. Well, what I was going to say was, I think the problem with a lot of the Marvel films recently is that they have to be so concise and careful on what they say and what they do because they're all apart and they're all connected with each other. So if one says like, oh, this this movie takes place in 2023 and then the next movie, Ant-Man's dead and it's like, wait, when does this movie take place? And it's like, oh, it's 2022. And there's like, wait, that doesn't make sense because the other film with Ant-Man Alive said 2023 and this one, he's dead and he's 2022. You know, that's all just yeah, made exactly. up scenario. But like still, you know, like I think they have to be really careful with it. But yes, it's like post blip. So like post Avengers Endgame, Paul Rudd's back, everyone loves him, or I guess everyone does love Paul Rudd, but Scott Lang, Ant-Man, is back and the whole world's saved, everyone loves him. Scott Lang finds that his daughter has created a mechanism that will probe into the quantum realm and be able to map it. However, during that time, the probe has been hijacked and then everyone gets sucked into the quantum realm. So after they get into the quantum realm, they find out that the big bad who's in here is Kang, who is trying to escape the quantum realm and destroy the, all the multiverses and all his other Kang variants. So it is up to Ant-Man, the Wasp, and their team to fight back Kang and stop him from escaping. That's pretty much the premise of this film. Also, apparently Lang's daughter is like a annoying social justice warrior type, which I found kind of annoying that like the movie sets her up in such a negative way for, you know, being a part of protest causes. <laughs> like, did you, I don't know. I found the way the movie was setting up her as this like annoying character. I found that annoying because she's right. Like what have the Avengers done for, to actually help the average person? All they do now is fight alien baddies that, are destroying other worlds you know what i mean they don't help average people anymore yeah 
I mean, this one, they saved the whole quantum realm. So, but I guess in a way, it's like it trickles up, I guess, in this way, where I guess saving the quantum realm kind of saves Earth. But Mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's not like. Not like Spider-Man or some of that, where he's like... But even Spider-Man doesn't do that anymore. He's saving multiverses now. I guess, in the in the third film. This has been a problem with superhero movies and the superhero genre, and why I think people are starting to like disengage with superhero movies somewhat, is the movies aren't about anything real anymore. Not that they ever were, but like it's just like a basic, oh, this person is evil, so we have to fight them storyline, instead of like, there were some vague illusions in the original Iron Man. Iron Man was pretty explicitly talking about the military-industrial complex. What is this movie talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> It's, a, it's an anti-multiverse movie. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> a lot of people have that problem. Yeah, it's quite a common, <laughs> common problem these days. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can't, can't wake up in the morning without, you know, stumbling into another universe and causing chaos. What actually was actually kind of funny was they were like, wait, if Kane gets out of here, he'll destroy multiple universes. That means millions of people are gonna die and i was like you know that's a really small number right like if an entire universe is gonna die like there's more there's billions of people just on earth and like yeah if it's uh multiverses it could be infinite i mean yeah exactly like they should have been like infinite amount of people can be will be killed if he gets out of here which is also what doesn't make sense about kang from the very like jump is that by the nature of multiverses and the fact that there can be any version of you out there kind of defeats the idea or creates a paradox with the idea that kang is problem because he should also be the solution in some universes and it just gets a very 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 confusing which is why these multiverse movies are always such a mess and the only movies that do these multiverse storylines well are you see i don't think you've seen it yet either it's everything everywhere all at once have you seen it yet uh, you still haven't have you no i haven't seen it yet and that one it just leans into the chaos and it leans into we have no idea what's going on And all we care about is the emotional storyline that that is happening. And so all the paradoxes become like part of the joke and part of the just like messiness of it. This movie like tries too hard to make it make sense. (laughs) So from what I, I don't know the comics too much. So I think from the comics, I think though, there are some Kang variants that are actually good and become like Avengers or different things like that. Like the, a new Iron Man is going to be a version of Kang. Oh, great. Um, and at least like in the comics there's like kid kid iron or whatever i don't know there's like a teenage iron man who who is actually one of the kings oh, okay. like so i think there are going to be something like that but again i mean like if, if someone doesn't know all of those things it does seem very confusing so i think i want to maybe talk about the, some of the good things i liked about it first i think visually and art directive wise it looked really fun and creative in particular the quantum realm the quantum realm yes yeah it's not earth earth looks just like earth like the, sh- the the buildings that are alive that can move and had feelings like there's one scene at the end when one building was dead and another building was like holding the building in its arms yeah or like you know the different creatures and like the colors it would must have been a really fun project to work on taking a lot of taking a lot from like I guess cells and different things like that creating like alien creatures out of them and different things like I think that part was like such a cool thing to look at and be like well this is like a such an interesting idea of a of a ship or of, of an alien or of like of the 
this quantum realm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, oftentimes, I felt like what was happening in the background of the big wide shots was actually more interesting than what we were supposed to be focusing on. The quantum yeah. realm was really cool. I liked pretty much all of the quantum characters, the quantum people. I had no real issue with them other than I thought it was a bit underutilized. Like, yeah. I, I think we could have spent three movies here and I would be happy here. Yeah, I think the quantum army was underutilized. And I think they they were kind of overshadowed by the, the ant army. Yeah, the ant army like, comes had, had a much better storyline, too, because we we kind of saw their beginning, middle and end and their, we had their development. Yeah, they were and like an though, army like, of ants. Yeah, well, like we literally saw them as like these like technologically advanced super ants in the house or whatever, mm-hmm. at, on Earth, that the original Ant-Man... Hank Pym? Michael Douglas's character, he's been experimenting with them, and he trained them into advanced ants. And then when they go to the quantum realm, somehow they get separated, and they go on some, like, multi-thousand-year journey, and then wind up coming back <laughs> at the end, uh, which was kind of fun. But the the actual quantum people basically just get slaughtered the whole time. Like nothing happens with them other than they get slaughtered by Ant-Man and his crew, by Kang and his crew. Yeah, I mean... That's about it. That's all that happens is they get slaughtered. I think they should have been the more like, oh, we're about to lose, we're about to lose, and then they come in and then save them instead of the lieutenants. I also just like, I wish they had more of an arc instead of being like oppressed people that got saved by Ant-Man and his crew. It should have been more like kind of where they were leading to, which was that they rise up and save themselves by working together and ignoring their differences or something. I also didn't understand, were they trapped there from different universes or they were just people from the quantum realm that were oppressed by Kang? I I didn't understand that because... I don't don't know. I agree. I don't know. Because it seemed like like when Kang first arrived, it was barren yeah right like i don't know why i don't know like it's that was so confusing to me like that whole part like how come she was alone for 30 years yeah and then suddenly there's like oh there's like an, an entire universe of people here i guess like she didn't explore anything or then that means how come kang just happened to drop right uh, where she was in this like giant universe mm-hmm. but then she wasn't able to find anyone this entire time i hated that whole backstory too how they did it in this like I liked the backstory in theory. I just, the way they presented it in these like flashbacks. Kang's backstory? Yeah, the backstory between Kang and um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Well, I will say that also Janet. going on that, on, yeah, Janet Van Dyne. Well, that whole story was kind of iffy to me, but I think the other problem I had with it was Kang the Conqueror is going to be the next big Marvel villain, right? He's going to be the next Thanos. Yeah. But the problem is he's not very villainous so far. Hasn't really done anything that has really, like showed how fearful he should be because he doesn't like i was really hoping in this film that he would kill someone like one of the main ants Mm -hmm. i was hoping that either the original ant-man of like michael douglas's character hank pym or michelle pfeiffer's character janet van dyme like one of them would die or possibly even like i was actually anticipating a little bit that ant-man scott lang was gonna die in this film and like that was it's going to lead up to where they can't stop Kang because he's too powerful. But he has to like sacrifice himself to, 
immobilize him and, and like keep him stuck somewhere or or like kind of, you know, sacrifice himself to stop Kang. Nothing really happens. He only kills the one like lighthead quantum mania freedom fighter character. Specifically the one character that doesn't have a very human aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Going along that line, I think that it would have been smart to kill Michael Douglas's character because he's not really he doesn't really do anything anymore. He's just there for like inspirational quotes on occasion, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of the uncle to Spider-Man in this relationship. Um, and so having him die could actually be like a wake-up call, like a really nice wake-up call for Scott Lang. And, you know, he's now on his own. He has to figure out all this stuff on his own. And Scott Lang is kind of more or less a normal person. Like, he's his only real skill is that he's like an expert thief, but he's not like mm-hmm. a hyper-intelligent person like Hank Pym or Janet Van Dyne or Hope Van Dyne are. All of those people are like super geniuses on the level of like Tony Stark or something. Yeah. Scott Lang's just a normal man. Which is really felt in this movie. I feel like there's times like, oh, what is Ant-Man? What can he even do? Like he can't do anything here. He's just a normal human with like a size changing suit that he can talk to ants with. Yeah. Well, like he really shines. Like, like I thought he did really well in the Avengers movie where it was a heist movie. Um, Yeah. I mean that for sure. I think this movie doesn't really fit Ant-Man story right like they try to because they have that quantum heist thing like they tried to recreate it like the avengers movie was like the time heist this movie is like the quantum heist so they have to infiltrate that that quantum orb thing but it it just it it was meaningless like it it wasn't a heist it was just him going into like a surreal pocket dimension for a while more of like a, a mental challenge rather than like a heist challenge when hope comes in she like immediately solves it and is like oh let me help you let me save you i don't know it didn't even feel like a heist to me at all and and the way they solved it was stupid too it was just they threw more of those little shrinking puck things that they have i also thought that in terms of characters that could die that would benefit the marvel universe i thought they could have killed hope's character for two reasons one is not because of the the character itself but because of you know external reasons is that that character that actress has gotten into some trouble i believe and said a lot of like really stupid things on social media which is why her character had like I think almost no screen time on this movie. <laughs> like she was just barely there. Oh, interesting. Like, I didn't know that. Which I thought was funny because she literally, she's like, she'll be in a scene, but she will have no lines and all she'll do is be like in the background or she'll like give a glance. That's it. That's how they utilized her. And I thought that was really interesting that they they feel like they have to keep her around still for some reason. But I think they could have if they wanted to, to like you said, make Kang feel more dangerous, you know, and her character. I think that's why they didn't kill Paul Rudd or Michelle Pfeiffer or Michael Douglas, though, is right now the MCU has a problem. They don't have star power anymore. All of their biggest stars were just killed off. And even if the recognizability of MCU is at an all-time high, the cast is virtually all unknowns right now. And that is going to harm their box office tremendously. And so they need Mm -hmm. people like Paul Rudd, who is an actual legitimate movie star, to bring people to the the theaters or else people are just going to not see it. Yeah, and actually that was a thing that I was like I was excited for phase 5 and beyond like cuz it seems like how they're setting this up this movie is that Ant-Man is going to be the new Iron Man in terms of like he's going to maybe form a new Avengers to then fight Kang and he's going to be like the leader in the face of the Avengers. So that w- that would be kind of cool. And I was thinking like, oh, this is 
a fun, interesting way for his character to develop and maybe like can go to do different things. But I don't know. I think it's like, well, I guess this whole phase is phase four has kind of been like lackluster and kind of underwhelming. And I, this was like an underwhelming ending to that. But it's kind of sad. That's like, oh, the only thing good about this film almost is that I'm excited to watch the next phase of films. So I don't know. Let's talk about Modoc for a second. Mm-hmm. This was maybe like the most cringiest uncanny valleyest part of the film where it is revealed that the main villain from the first movie comes back and is now transformed into he's like the mini boss of of this movie this modok character right i just hated how one how he looked and also how often he took off his mask <laughs> to show his ugly face <laughs> And how like cringy and uncanny and just like I just hated looking at his visual effects like stretched face. Yeah. And I don't know if it was on purpose or if not, but it just looked terrible. And I don't know why they just like, oh, it looks terrible. We're going to just continually have him take off his mask. And we had his mask on. It looked cool. It looked fun. But like when he took it off, it's just like, why? Why are you showing me your face? Have you seen the movie Shark Boy and Lava Girl? No. I mean, it's not a good movie, but there's a character in that that has, that's literally, it looks exactly the same. And it's played by George Lopez, Mr. Electric. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. And they did the same trick where they just, they stretched his face into a weird, unnatural shape and it just looks bad. But that movie was made in like 2001 or something. And I don't know why they decided to do it the same way. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it now. And honestly, this kind of looks better than than what we saw in Ant Man because, like, at least his is like a a TV screen. Like that's what Mister Electric is supposed to be. But Modok is like this is his his for some reason his whole face is now his body because of quantum reasons. I uh-huh. guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the character was such a joke of a character and didn't really have any real good reason to be there. And every time he came in there, he like broke the tension in a really disruptive way, which is also part of why I found him really annoying. Like at the end when he's dying, spoiler alert, he like dies in this really over the top exaggerated way, which like totally kills the tension, even though this is supposed to be like one of the climactic moments. Yeah. He has this comedic ending where he's trying to say that he's been an Avenger. He's dying as an Avenger and he's, He's dying as a hero and he's dying loved by by Ant-Man and how he's a brother to him. And the whole thing is just like a one big joke. And then he dies. And then it's just like, well, I didn't really feel anything. I don't know what's, you know, really going on here. So, yeah. And it's also like they haven't won yet. Now's not the time for this. (laughs) Do this after you've won. And then that was also so frustrating. Oh, my God. That final fight scene where they have the portal and like i thought it was going to be something like there's only enough power to have four people go through the portal but nope a wasp comes through and saves the day and there was no repercussions for that like i thought maybe oh they're they're gonna get trapped in the quantum realm and that's how how this is gonna end on a cliffhanger of like sorts. Ant-Man and the Wasp are going to be stuck in the quantum realm? Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen is that she she sacrifices herself to help save Ant-Man from Kang and then ultimately defeat Kang or this version of Kang. But then because the portal only had limited power, that was going to be like mirroring what happened to Janet's characters. Now they're stuck, you know, so, something a little more interesting. But nope, they just they win. They go back and they have that awful ending 
where Scott Lang is like, oh, everything's swell now. And don't let the invasive thoughts come back, you know? Well, okay, sorry. I do want to say that, yes, that the first part you I agree with, which I was like, oh, interesting. Like, okay, I guess they're going to be stuck down here. And then suddenly it's like three seconds of the daughter. She's just like, oh, I'm going to turn this probe I have into like a quantum teleporter somehow. Like she just like suddenly yeah she has the capabilities to do that yeah like she just like retconned this entire machine that she built in the beginning and was like oh i'm gonna just change it into this teleporter now and then they just like okay i guess we can just leave right now that didn't make sense and was just weird but i did kind of like that post not post credit but like the end five minutes of where ant-man's walking around the city again and he's just like oh everyone just like suppress your ideas kind of thing because there was like this kind of moment of just like, oh, this is kind of creepy. Like, is is like Kang going to come out and kill him right now? Or is, is something going to like blow up? And then he's just like, well, I guess we didn't do anything. I guess it didn't, nothing happened again. I think I, I would have preferred of... that. Like if something did happen, maybe that could justify this being here. But literally nothing happens. I just think it's gotten too big is the problem. Like it just, it's nothing is adding up anymore. Or they're doing cheap tricks to try and like make the story work, the larger Avengers story work, as opposed to these individual movies. This movie has zero impact on the rest of the story, basically. That's that's basically what happens at the end. And that is so frustrating from a viewer's perspective, because you feel like you've spent two and a half hours watching this bloated movie for no reason. It's exhausting. I just think it's an absolute mistake to make these movies kind of a a wasted space. That's weird. Just so weird. Like, if it's not going to have an impact on the larger story, give it some meaning other than that. So, like, some of these TV shows don't have an impact on the larger story either, but at least they're, like, off exploring some interesting angle of of the universe so that we can, like, have some other reason for existing. But this movie has no reason to exist. It doesn't explore anything relevant other than, you know, now Kang is a thing. Uh, and it's just saying, yep, Kang is a thing again. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. we had I already mean, the whole... achieved that with Loki. And then I guess the whole thing was more of like the post credit scene where all the Kangs are like, oh, it's time for us to start doing it. It's like the Thanos post credit scene where he's like oh i'm gonna start getting my stones kind of it's like yeah that post credit scene where it's like oh okay here's the big bad guy that we all have to worry about what did you think of that post credit scene because i found it incredibly cringy okay okay so i will say two things actually i think that jonathan majors is i think such a great actor and i think he does kind of shine in this movie a little bit like i think he was the one person who i think was kind of carrying the acting a little bit in this film it definitely shows in that post credit scene because you're thinking like he had to film this scene like 50 times in like 50 different makeup and costumes to like get this scene composited together and he like acted each kang slightly differently which is like you know kind of kudos to him i don't think it was as cringy to me as it was to you probably but um because also to me, I was like, oh, interesting. We got to see all these different Kangs and, you know, who are, who are they and what they're going to do. You have like the Egyptian Kang and Green Kang and the Blue Kang. Yeah, I think all of those, it's not Jonathan Majors that's the issue for me. It's the tone of the whole scene is that it's like played off as this like joke instead of it being 
epic and terrifying. I don't know. I think this this movie was overall just frustrating, kind of lacking in story and doesn't really matter. And also, like the heroes don't even do anything because they're saved by their like Deuce Ant Makama. Yep. In the end, by being saved by all the ants. But going into that. Let's give our very uh, surprising. <laughs> so this was your favorite movie of the year, right? I think I'm going to give it peanut m and Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think Raisinets for me, sadly. I, honestly, because I kind of was excited for this film. I do like Paul Rudd and I do like Jonathan Majors. So I think there was like so much hope going into this movie. Huh? Hope, actually. Whoa, look what I did there. I didn't mean to. That's kind of like a pun, right? Mm-hmm. I guess, or... Yeah. So, I agree. Yeah, I think it's it's Raisinets for me. It's it's definitely Raisinets for me as well. I, I, I can't even think of like one scene that didn't have major issues. Every scene was like really boring. I was so bored. That was my overall impression after walking away from the theater. I don't know if you caught that, but it was literally, I'm just like, this was so boring. Yeah, I got that. I just think never let this director touch another movie. Maybe never let this writer touch another movie either. (laughs) Well, I guess the writer part was the first two films. Edgar Wright mostly wrote the first one. And I feel like bring him back. Bring him back to direct the next Ant-Man and the next, like, to write the next Ant-Man or something. The thing is, though, I think I think, well, also the other films were, like, partially written by Paul Rudd and a few other writers. And this one, I think, was only written by this one guy. That probably has to do with it with like the whole this huge change in the writing staff for this film was a part of this reasoning behind the lackluster story we got for this one Mm -hmm. overall this movie is 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 a raisinette film and i don't even know if there's anything like a takeaway from this film other than just like don't don't make a film like this ever yeah do better do better yeah yeah we're disappointed in you marvel tisk tisk Anyways, that would be it for this episode of Concession Impressions. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about this film more than watching the film. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Film Cookbook. And let us know what your concession impression is or any of your thoughts for this film. You know, how cringy was Modoc for you? <laughs> Anyways, we'll see you on the next episode. Ciao. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone.